as some people asking me, is there a big plan behind this? Is, is there a plan to destroy Germany? Um, and I'm not sure that there is a plan. I'm pretty sure that a lot of dumb people in the German parliament who have no idea what they're doing and just follow their ideologically and, and seeing the results of it and still ignoring the results. That's just plain dumb. I don't know what that, what the benefit is for them destroying, destroying this country. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and Thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money Show is 100% sponsor-based, so all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them. As again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Joanna Kotar, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. Uh, been a little bit of time getting this planned, but we've finally made it happen. Uh, just by way of quick introduction, you are a member of the German parliament, but you don't belong to any political particular political party, which, as you sure. were saying offline, frees you up to speak your mind a bit more. Um, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about Bitcoin and its relationship to European politics. Uh, but I thought what would be useful is just start with a little bit about your background and your journey into Bitcoin. I think you were telling me offline that you were actually a libertarian before discovering Bitcoin. Uh, and, and maybe you were orange pilled by your employees. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, most of the people have no idea that the employees of the of the members of the parliament of the OPs are more important than the and the MPs themselves because the employees have a lot of influence. 
So I am a libertarian, um, uh, and um, I first came into contact on with Bitcoin in 2013. My brother mentioned it as an investment opportunity, and I really regret not getting into Bitcoin mm -hmm. 2013. Um, but then a couple of years later, I, I rediscovered it and read about it a little bit, and my employees explained to me uh, what Bitcoin really is and what benefits it has for society. And then it was like, boom, that's, that's the solution for everything. That's, mm. that's a possibility to reduce the power of the parliament or of the politician, um, to, to get rid of the central banks. That's really the solutions for all people who want freedom and who want to live free. So I looked into it and then I realized my colleagues, um, in the German parliament have no idea what Bitcoin really is. They mm. all think it's used by terrorists as money laundry. It costs a lot of energy, so we have to get rid of it. We have to regulate it. We have to forbid it. And that's something I want to change. Mm. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I, the libertarian background certainly helps people understand Bitcoin pretty quickly. Uh, if you, Obviously, if you're a libertarian, you probably place a high value on private property. And I think you could look at Bitcoin as just the strongest form of private property humanity has yet to invent. Yeah. Um, so definitely, as you said, goes a long way towards solving many of these problems in our political hierarchies, like yeah. central banking and um, uh, I guess excessive taxation, inflation, basically where citizens don't have a lot of leverage at the negotiating table in the jurisdictions that they, they occupy, but Bitcoin gives them a little bit more leverage, which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I see it on a, on a daily basis. When we have some problems with Germany, we have a budget hole from 60 billion now in the euros in, in Germany. And the government is looking into how do we get the money now? Mm. And they're fighting about, do we just start printing the money again? Yeah, do, mm. do we just go in debt again? And that would, would it be possible if we would have that Bitcoin? Because it's totally clear if we go into debt again, if we... Um, printing money again, the taxpayers will have to pay for it someday or another. Yes. And the next generation is going to pay for that. And so having sound money, uh, having healthy money like Bitcoin would be a solution if, if the people would get it. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. The The siren song of money printing is very tempting. And, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, again, if you understand libertar the libertarian perspective on it, I think it's very diabolical actually it's very destructive I, I can barely think of a more destructive activity um obviously some you could say something like warfare but then the argument would be well most of the modern warfare is funded by printing money yeah so uh it's a it's a very big big problem um and and so ill understood in the world so i'm, I'm glad that this is a uh, something you're this this is a topic you're bringing to a point of conversation in your sphere of influence because it's very important. Um, let's talk about your initiative. So what, this is a Bitcoin initiative. This is inside the German parliament and you're you're doing what here? You're trying to educate yeah. others more about Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. Um, after I had a, a, a lot of conversations with my colleagues, I said, okay, we have to do something to educate my colleagues about Bitcoin, how, how it can be used in a, in a very fruitful way. Um, and so I sat together with my team in, in the parliament and I said, okay, what can we do? And then we created a website um, for my fellow MPs where they we have a lot of different sections about Bitcoin, which they can read. We are working together with some Bitcoin experts like, like Samson Mo and others who, who write for us. 
um, we have a newsletter they 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 can uh, uh, yeah they can use and then we said okay what can we do else and then we thought about having events in the German Bundestag to educate my my fellow MPs. And we will start this February on the 22nd. We will have the first um, educational event in German Bundestag uh, with the blockchain Roman Rea and Christian Kleger from TerraHash. Mm. Uh, they are coming to, to us in the parliament and they will explain to my colleagues what Bitcoin really is and how it can use, yes, for, for this time, for example, um, during our energy crisis, how Bitcoin mining can be used to stabilize um, electricity networks. And um, that's something... I think they've never heard before, mm. and this is the first event will, which will take place, and we will have a lot of more um, following up. Some more will also be um, in, in Berlin at one day, and I hope at the end of this year, uh, a lot of my colleagues have more, uh, yeah, more educated picture about Bitcoin, and if it comes to how can we regulate it, it's clear that we shouldn't overregulate it, that we can't forbid it. And that it's actually good for society, good for the environment, good for everything. Mm. And because you have to know if, if we have to make decisions, if, if we have to vote in the German Bundestag, we have to vote about so many um, legislative, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that we don't have to, uh, that we don't have time to to um, read everything what we get on our table on a daily basis. Mm. So it comes to you have to vote. We're looking to to the party uh, leader and say, how do we vote? And then he'll say yes or no. And then mm. a lot of members just do that. They vote yes or no because the leader says so. Mm. And they have no idea why they are saying no or mm. why they are saying yes. And I want my colleagues to be able to know when it comes to Bitcoin, what they are voting about. Mm. And when green politicians vote against Bitcoin, that they know they vote against uh, an, a, a possibility to really uh, revolutionize the the, the energy um, um, topic, what, what we have in Germany. Mm. And if left-wing politicians vote against Bitcoin, that they know they are voting against all the human rights foundations we have in this world, that they vote against the poor people having access to Bitcoin, but not having access to, to banks or, or money, which we're using that. They have to know that they're voting against that. And maybe, maybe they won't do it then. And mm. that's what I want to achieve. Interesting. I would imagine that the energy crisis that's unfolding in Europe right now is energizing that conversation somewhat. Yeah. Is that yeah. a particular point of education that you go into is how, how Bitcoin relates to uh, energy infrastructure? Absolutely. Because... Um, our government decided to get rid of uh, um, nuclear power. Mm -hmm. So they're building all <laughs> all those windmills and solar and everything, but we don't. We are not able um, to use them every time. When we have a lot of winds, that's fine. And if we, when we have a lot of sun, that's fine. The sun doesn't shine in Germany that often, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but this destabilizes um, the electricity network we have in Germany. And using Bitcoin mining, to stabilize the network. If we have a lot of wind, a lot of um, sun that the, the miners won't mine, but if we don't have, we have excess energy because we have a storm and we have a lot of wind it's a, and then the Bitcoin mining comes in and gets this, this excess energy that stabilizes our network. Mm. 
And that's something my colleagues don't know. And that's something they have to know how they can use it because it's not used in Germany um, on, on a big scale. We have a lot some smaller companies like TerraHash, who are, which are trying to house what's the best way to use Bitcoin mining. Mm-hmm. Also, to use Bitcoin mining for heating, for example, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of possibilities, and, and that's of course something we will focus on. Is there a lot of pushback? Um, because the, the traditional trope about Bitcoin is that you know it wastes energy, it's going to boil the oceans, etc. Is that is that a popular misconception inside yeah. the halls of parliament? Absolutely, especially by with the Green Party, and the Green Party is. Uh, is uh, ruling the country right now. So they think really it's just costing us energy and uh, we have the climate crisis and that's why we have to get rid of Bitcoin. And it's mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. If that's what they have to learn, that's mm-hmm. on the contrary. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really sad, but it's also because of the mass media we have in Germany. All the articles yeah. you read about Bitcoin um, in the German media are negative. There right. aren't any positive Bitcoin articles to find. Right. It's always the terrorists, the, the right wings, the Nazis, the energy crisis, the, the climate crisis. And it's it's really frustrating to read all of this. Mm. So to have a, to start a, a movement against that, that would be really great in Germany. It's, and, and I'm also reaching out to journalists, inviting them to all these events we have in, in the Bundestag so that they also can learn. Mm. <laughs> How do you combat that? I mean, it seems it seems a rather difficult one because Bitcoin does use a lot of energy, and there is this mistake that in most people's minds that energy use equals energy waste, but they're not the same thing, obviously. Um, how do you, I guess, try to approach that point in your your educational efforts of? converting people from a belief that that Bitcoin is just wasteful to um, the belief that the, the use of energy is actually serving its its utility. I think you just have to explain to them how it really is, because most of the people didn't hear about the other side. They only heard it's wasting energy. They didn't hear, they are not hearing about, no, it's actually the energy goes to something it creates something it creates mm-hmm. a, a digital currency a freedom currency that's what i call it mm-hmm. um that's something you have to explain to them and if they say well a lot of energy then i sometimes i just come up with some examples like all the the air conditioning you have in the united states how much energy mm-hmm. they use and nobody's mm-hmm. talking about getting rid of that mm-hmm. um so you have to explain it in a very simple way to the people and they're open to it they listen to you because they've never heard that before. Do you find yourself, so you say, that, okay, you're actually converting this energy into something useful, which is freedom money or freedom currency. Do you find yourself getting into the question, what is money with these people? Because people, yeah, that's another thing. It's like, yeah. okay, sure, the energy is converted into money, but we already have money. We have dollars. They work fine. You know, what, what do we yeah. need another money for? How do you deal with that point? Um, I explain a little bit about why the money we have now is actually the problem. Um, hmm. The funny thing is, or the sad thing actually, is the majority of the people has no idea how money is created. Mm-hmm. When I talk to my fellow MPs and ask them, how does money come to the world? How is money created? They have no idea. And these are the people who run the country. 
Mm-hmm. When I talk to bankers, my, my husband is a banker. They have no idea how money is produced. <laughs> and that's actually pretty scary. Mm. And when you, when you tell them, we're just creating you know, nothing. And it's like, what do you mean? And then the conversation starts and people really get interested in how can that be? And sometimes or a lot of uh, often, um, they really listen to you and, and so let me think about it. And then you mm. just recommend them a book or another or the, uh, a YouTube video, just to go and look at them and, and let them explain why Bitcoin is different. Mm. And um, yeah, it works. That's, that's amazing to hear. I've, I feel very lucky to have stumbled upon this name for the podcast because I see increasingly this question boggling people's minds. At every yeah. level, you know, like the central bankers are telling you money is one thing. These this woman this weekend on I think she was a CNBC financial commentator getting roasted because she was criticizing Bitcoin. She's like, oh, it's not actually sound money; it's rogue money. And it's like, well, question is, what is money, right? Like, it's it seems to be a very. I think it will be a defining question historically when we look back on all of this fifty or hundred years from now. We're like, oh yeah, that was the time. In history when people are trying to really wrestle with this question what is money eh. like, what should it be um obviously this discussion being driven by the emergence of bitcoin largely uh and it's fascinating to me too that there are no simple answers there are so many different answers it's almost like we run into the limitations of language when we ask that question <laughs> and it's and it's clearly you know, among, if not the most important tools in the world. So it's a little strange that we don't have more knowledge about it. You know, you would think we would have learned more about this in school or at some point in our lives. Um, and it's a little mysterious to me that it's it's so uh, under-discussed, let's say. Yeah, maybe we we probably learn or maybe the the people who rule the world don't want us to know about it mm. that's why they don't educate the people in school mm. my people who have no idea about anything they, they don't speak up they yeah. don't say that that's not okay if they don't know how money is coming to the world and how money is ruling the world and how money is financing everything and how printing money is actually the problem and people who are the nearest to the guys who are printing the money get more rich every year if they don't know that they they don't speak up so right. if you keep people uneducated, you don't have any problems. Why should you educate people in school? Then the government has to change, the politicians have to change. So they, and I don't think they, they want to do that. Yeah, it's very myopic, though, even for those who can benefit from the money printing, because I think they're really hurting the potential of the global economy. Like we could have so much more output, so much more prosperity, so much more freedom um yeah. peace etc if you would just come to terms with economic reality that you can't print money to solve economic scarcity yeah. even if you're but, using it to enrich yourself it's you're you're benefiting your short run interests at the expense of long run the long run gain of the human species and that just seems yeah. absurd to me but we've both been to the art conference in london and we mm. have seen actually yes. investors like paul marshall and others who actually get it that we can't go on like this yes and we're willing to think about it and to talk about it and i think that's a really great thing to have yes. these people who really have the money say okay we can't go on like this anymore we have to think about some solutions yes agreed uh i 
was honored to speak at that conference. However, when I did describe central banking as the central planning of money, um, saying that, you know, one of the core pillars of ARC is its honoring of free markets. Yet the elephant in the room here is we don't have a free market in the largest and most important market in the world, which is the market for money. It was met with, I would say, blank stares. I don't know if maybe the, the idea might be slightly outside the Overton window still for people. Like they couldn't oh, no. get their heads around, wait, what does a free market and money mean? You know, we're used to central banking, but um, I, I don't know. It seems like an easy way to connect the dots. Like we know central planning doesn't work in any market in the world. Why would we think it works in money? Yet somehow, yeah. all over the world, we have the central planning of money. So yeah. I, I, it's good to see the idea emerging, but I think we still have some, some ways to go before it's absorbed yeah. uh, more popular. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we have a long way to go, but but uh, more and more people are, are jumping on this wagon and we, we get, and I think um, we will be, it will be, Parsing in the future, we when we talk about this topic more, when we network, when we connect each other, when we show up at conferences like that and have a panel about sound money. I mean, that's not you don't have a panel like that usually at conferences. That's right. Um, then, then that's something that moves people. People are starting to think about it, and I think we the development might be um, will be faster than we think. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think that's a good optimistic note for it. And the, the other optimism that I have from being in Bitcoin is seeing that people go into the Bitcoin rabbit hole, but nobody comes out. Like it's a one-way sure. street. So yeah. I can only imagine going one direction over time. You know, it's yeah. once you learn about this stuff, you, you, you can't unsee it, as they say. Yeah. And you're going to do it in, 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 your, in your environment with your family and your friends and everyone. And every time I talk about Bitcoin with with um, people, and they say I have no idea, and said just just give me your mobile phone, and then mm-hmm. I, I get them a wallet, and I send them some satoshis, and to see how easy it is, because people think Bitcoin is very complicated and everything, and to get them into the topic by just installing them a wallet, and now all my friends, all my my family members are into Bitcoin, so mm-hmm. just talk about it, just talk about it with the people. But I think Bitcoiners do that anyway. Um, in politics, we don't do that, and that's going to change in Germany. <laughs> I guess we need more Bitcoiners in politics then, because Bitcoiners cannot shut up about Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. If you are a business owner or manager, you should know these three numbers. 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash whatismoney. So I want to ask you 
because part of the education you're doing in this initiative as well is I think you're trying to stave off the possibility of overly regulating Bitcoin. Yeah. Now, Definitely. as we, you know, most people that watch the show know that you, regulation can't do anything to change Bitcoin or stop Bitcoin, but it could slow it down or it could prevent certain cohorts of the population from getting access to it. Um, which, which is a, another way of saying maybe it could impede mass adoption. Really? Um, what points of education do you focus on when you look at the regulation of Bitcoin and, and educating people about that? Yeah, well, um, but the point is a lot of Bitcoiners said they're not interested in politics or if politicians or politics regulate Bitcoin or for say for Bitcoin, it's not possible. So we, we know how to use it. It's no problem at all. I see the problem with the mass adoption you're talking mm -hmm. about because a lot of people have no idea how they can access Bitcoin. If, for example, uh, the governments are, are telling Apple or Android, say, get rid of all the, the Bitcoin apps, all the cryptocurrency apps, all the apps mm -hmm. on your mobile phones, you're not allowed to have wallets on your phone anymore, you have nothing. Then it gets very hard for normal people to how do we get access then? Mm. And if, if if you are regulated, how if you can bu can buy Bitcoin to to your banks anymore? And it, it's get, it's getting they can do make lives really hard for Bitcoiners mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. for people who want to know about it. So that's something we have to prevent. I mean, you know how to use Bitcoin if, if the the legislation says okay, we're making it as hard as possible. I know it probably because of my employees, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people won't know it. And mm -hmm. that's something where we have to work against um, if we want really Bitcoin to, to take over. Um, and um, another thing I see is um, the digital euro, which is coming to Europe now, the CBDC mm -hmm. um, governments and, and banks are talking about. And um, they said, we don't need Bitcoin. We have the, the, the digital euro, and that's much better. Hmm. And to tell people why Bitcoin is, is a much better solution for them than the digital euro, um, that's also something they, they have to know about. That's also hmm. key um, because 2028 is only four years from now. And hmm. um, then we have uh, the total control with the, with the ECB, with the central hmm. bank in, in Europe. Are there particular regulations that are proposed or perhaps just being discussed for Bitcoin that concern you most? Uh, the European Union discussed uh, if they can get rid of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. if they just can forbid people using Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that's something where I said, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, um, when I'm saying we have to do something against that, because like I said, most of the people have no idea what benefits Bitcoin has. And if we don't tell them, they they still have no idea. And so yeah, let's let's get rid of it because Bitcoin is also dangerous for us politicians and for our, our power. And um, the only way we can do that is getting Bitcoiners involved. And that's what I do now in Germany because they are helping me to educate my fellow MPs. Mm -hmm. And I also tell the Bitcoiners, you know what, contact your MP, which is mm -hmm. who is um, responsible for you. Just go to him or to her and ask them, what's your stand about Bitcoin? What are you doing? Are you, do you think about regulating it? And when they answer, and a lot of time they answer, I have no idea. 
Mm. And they say, oh, no problem. They come back four weeks later. Mm. And I ask you the same questions again. And if politicians realize that this is an important topic, and a lot of people say my vote is depending on how your stand regarding Bitcoin is, mm -hmm. they're going to act because they want to be, be reelected. Mm. And that's something we have to use to, to use the pressure on, on them and say, okay, this is important for us. Do something about it. We don't want to have it regulated, uh, over-regulated. We need some kind of regulation. Mm. We don't want to have over-regulated. We, um, we won't be able to use it in the, in the European Union. So we'll do something about it. Mm. And I'm, very, I, I'm sure not one of my colleagues will say, well, no, we're not going to do that when they know they're not be voted into office anymore. Hmm. Yeah. So, what would I guess? What would most impede mass adoption in your estimation? Do you think this is the regulating of Bitcoin exchanges and purchasing? Is it custody? Is it mining? Like, where do you think the the attack points are from a, a regulatory standpoint? Um. I think buying Bitcoin, making it way more difficult um, buying Bitcoin. I mean, we see that um, buying gold, it got more and more difficult in, in Germany, yeah. for example. So that's that's a point. Um, going over technical solutions like over your smartphone and selling the Apple, say, get, get rid of all the wallets you have is another thing they can do. Um, we are, at the moment, we have great taxation rules in Germany regarding Bitcoin. If you hold it one year, you don't have to pay any taxes. So we, we don't mm. want to touch on that. That's perfect. <laughs> Just leave it like that. Mm. But there are some kind of, of ways that but they really can, can over-regulate it. And I've spoken to a lot of people who are in the human rights, like, like Alex Gladstein and, and some um, female colleagues who are really into Bitcoin who, who told me we can't raise any funds anymore if they over-regulate it. Mm. Like in Kazakhstan or in other um, countries where they are, it's the only way for them to raise money for their causes because the government comes down on them when they do that over Facebook or over any other source. And, and that's also something people need to know how important it is if, if you really want to help um, during Oh uh, yeah, for human beings um, in other countries. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, I, the, the regulation's interesting. I, I feel like the, the ideal approach is what the U.S. initially did with the internet, where they just kind of took a wait and see approach and let really? things develop. I think uh, obviously less regulations better, in my opinion, yeah. my libertarian opinion. Um, I would hope to see a similar approach taken towards Bitcoin. However, I don't think you're going to see that. It's just the stakes are much higher this time, right? The internet was, it was unclear what the internet was going to become. And but it's pretty clear that Bitcoin is a threat to centralized money. So I, I think, uh, although that might be the best approach from a libertarian standpoint, I don't think it's likely to see the, the wait and see hands-off approach uh, towards Bitcoin. But don't you think that the time we have now and all the crisis we are in now and after COVID and all the things we've gone through, people are more open to the idea? Um, not the politicians, but people in general yes. are more open to the idea of, of freedom. I mean, a lot of people are scared of freedom. A lot of people say, oh, don't want to have the responsibility to look after myself or after mm -hmm. my money. But I think after all the crisis we have and after all what we've seen government are capable of doing, 
Mm-hmm. I think the time is now to to, to uh, tell the people, look, we have another solution. We have a lot of solutions and the solution for sound money is Bitcoin. I think they are more willing to listen now than a couple of years ago. Yes, the conspiracy theorists are basically undefeated over the past three and a half <laughs> years. So uh, yeah. Bitcoin's time to shine for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned the year 2028. This is when the digital euro is supposed to go live, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what the, the head of the Bundesbank told us today in the German mm-hmm. parliament. They are aiming for 2028. And I saw, I shared this with you offline, but and we're unsure if this was AI or actual, but I saw a clip of this speaker at the World Economic Forum going viral saying that they were going to track, you know, where people travel, what they eat, and what they buy as a means of creating a customized carbon score for each consumer. Right. Uh, something that they, they wanted to. They would be going live soon. Obviously, you couldn't do that without some type of CBDC. Yeah. So where, what are your concerns, I guess, about CBDCs? And that, are, we, are we in a race against the clock for this 2028? Ex- yeah, exactly these concerns. I mean, you have the one side is that the that the central bank can set, for example, a limit what, you, what you're able to spend on a daily basis or on a monthly basis. And, and if you only have the digital euro and they say, okay, the limit is 1,000 euros for, for a month and you're not able to spend more, that's it. Mm-hmm. If we have a, the, the German health minister all said in, a, in an interview that all the, the COVID um, um, regulations they had going on can be adapted to the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we... So okay, we have the central euro, the, the the digital euro, and we say, well, flying is is not good for the environment. It's totally possible that the people say, oh, you already flew to the United States, you already flew to Rome. Eh, no way, you're going to pay for another flight to to Thailand, for example. That's possible. That's one thing. Or if we go back to to uh, negative uh, interest rates. You're totally at the mercy of this is from the central bank. You can't take your money out of the bank anymore. It's mm. totally digital. They can have negative interest rates all the way. That's the one side. And the other side is total monitoring, total control, what you're spending your money on. Mm. Are you um, giving the, your money to the wrong organization? Are you funding the wrong party? What are you doing with your money? The government, the central bank knows it all. And I think one of the worst examples we can look at is China with the social scoring system. Mm. I don't want to have that in Western countries by no means. Yeah. And having the, the digital euro, having the CBDCs is one step forward to this kind of, of uh, government. Yeah I, would, yeah, I would argue that if you get a CBDC, it's inevitable you're going to get a social credit scoring system. Yeah. Because you're, yeah. you're centralizing that much power into such few hands. There's no way they're not going to reach to take it all. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, they, they promise, no, we are not going to monitor. We know we are not going to control you. That's all. The, and they said, yeah, you promised us that the euro will be self money. You promised us all these promises in the mastery contract and yes. none of those promises you kept. So why should I believe you now? And I'm 10 years into politics now and I don't believe anything politicians say anymore. It took yes. me half a year in the German parliament to to lose all my illusions about politics. <laughs> so just if, if a politician tells you, some, tell you something, 
don't believe it. And if they have this uh, this monitoring and, and surveillance architecture in place, they will use it. No yeah. way that they yeah. won't use it. Yeah. I have a lot of young people coming to me in the parliament and telling me, oh, I have no problem with the government is, is what the, controlling what's on my mobile phone. Because the government is, is, is good. It's, it's okay. It's, it's more dangerous when criminals do that. And I said, okay, you're fine with the government we have now. We have a left-wing government in Germany mm. right now, and you're fine with that. And say, yeah, totally. It's okay. Um, maybe in the next four years, we have a right-wing government. Mm. And we have really hardcore mm. right-wingers. Are you still okay if they are surveilling you at the moment? No. So, well. <laughs> start to think yeah start thinking about what you're saying i always say imagine hitler stalin or mao with the technology possibilities we have now mm -hmm. what what would the, that would have yes. meant for for history for, for you the humankind yes. so if we can prevent a surveillance architecture like that we have to do that absolutely uh you know the bitcoin ethos here really shines right as you're saying you can't trust any of these politicians. Yeah. So don't trust, verify, right? It's very, very simple. And then the, the idea of, I don't know, people are getting hacked by this where they think, oh, if my guy is in power, my party is in office, then everything's okay. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll only censor the bad guys or, or, or survey the bad guys. But that just betrays a very deep ignorance of how the world actually works. It's like if the tool is there for someone to use, it will be used. Yeah. So you, you don't, it's not about getting the right guy, the tool in the right hands of the right guy necessarily. It's like you really need to inhibit the use of the tool in total, which would be not having a CBDC, not having a surveillance coin, not having the central planning of money in general. Um, and, you know, I don't know, that that seems like something that's a bit obvious to me, but I, I find it strange that people fall for that still. You know, there's still this yeah. general attitude that if we could just get the right people in office, you know, it's not that central banking is bad. It's that we have bad central bankers. These guys were wrong. We need new a new set of guys and girls to do it. And I'm just like, I don't know, I lose my mind about that. I'm like, that's not, yeah. it's not how it works at all. It's like if you give that power to people, People will fill that void and use it for nefarious purposes like 99 times out of 100. I mean, maybe there's yeah. a, the rare exception, but in the long run with succession of different people filling that seat, you will inevitably get people bending it for nefarious purposes. Absolutely. Somehow we humans are built like that. We are, we're using the power if we have that. And I find it my, most concerning when young people are, are telling me that, that they're totally okay with that. Because um, I think that this, this is the generation who, who grew up with the internet. With mm -hmm. They know what it's all about. They know how um, how criminals can use it. They know how power can be abused and then it's busting the government. But I think that's what what's happening or what happened over all these these past years is like people were educated to just trust the government. Mm -hmm. Government will do everything for you. Right. You don't have to to worry about anything. We will look after you. It's just in in Germany I always said it's like like um, Mama Merkel and and Father State is looking after mm -hmm. you. Just don't think. Please yeah. don't think. We're we're doing everything for you. And if you do that over a couple of years 
10, 20 years, people are starting to believe in that and the young people grow up like that and they're used to that. And telling them you have don't trust verify, that's something we have to get into the head of, of mm -hmm. young people especially. Yes, yeah, there's definitely some conditioning or social engineering that has taken place that needs to be unwound Yeah. Um, to get people to understand the importance of Bitcoin and verification. Uh, you mentioned before we started that speaking of speakers at the World Economic Forum, Javier Malay spoke at the World Economic Forum. Um, I haven't watched the speech yet, but I would love to hear uh, your synopsis of it and commentary on it, if you have any. Yeah. I mean, everybody has to, to watch this speech. I'm sure you won't be reinvited after the speech. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he stood up there and told all these people that they're wrong and that the best world is in danger and that capitalism is the solution and uh, socialism is the problem of, of everything. And um, he told that the the entrepreneurs and the that they are the heroes and that they shouldn't listen to politicians because politicians are the problem and the state mm -hmm. is the problem and not the solutions. Um, and that we need free markets and um, that they should fight for it and that Argentina will be on their side from now on. And uh, mm -hmm. then the Viva la Libertad Carajo. Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing. To have someone at the World Economic Forum talking like that, it's, it's just great I, everybody should see that that speech i mean and i also i already read about it in, in the german newspaper because i was really curious what what are, what are german uh, journalists saying about that and it's like like oh that was this bizarre speech or the, this right-wing melee and it's so predictable so predictable yeah. yeah but but we also have a lot of fans here especially bitcoiners and, and, and libertarians who really um, loud melee and, and, and share everything, every, spe every speech from him in, in the German social media. So uh, Germans get to know him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The Very courageous for him to do that. Um, not yeah. too surprised given his track record so far. Um, I, it is ridiculous that those types of speeches get painted as right wing. I mean, is this is just an individual advocating for individual human freedom right so it's yeah. not even a political stance really it's just saying no yeah. free markets low to no state you know high power to the people it's not a right or left it's not even in the right left dichotomy frankly it's Is just it? individual or collective um and so i guess that gets back to what you were saying earlier there's certain people in power that want to paint that as a right wing radical white right wing ideology to discredit it yeah. Um, and I, but also encouraging to see that type of discourse taking place. Yeah. In the belly of the beast, so to speak. Absolutely. And to have politicians to speak up like that, it's it's great. And that's what I'm advocating for because Millet wasn't a politician all his lifetime. He mm -hmm. didn't study politics or go into politics. He he comes from the these from economies, yeah, he said economy. Mm. And he said, okay, we have to change something and I'm willing to go into politics and, and change something. Mm. And a lot of people I talk with and, and I have the feeling, wow, they can make a difference. But to have people like that in the German parliament, to have people like that in the German government would make a difference. Everything he says that, oh no, I'm not interested in politics, I'm not doing that. 
Mm. I mean, come on, people. You are the people mm. we need in politics. You have to get involved if you want to change something. If you say, no, I'm not interested. I stay out of politics. Politics is a dirty business. Yes, it is. But you can change it. Mm. And we see it with Millet that he's willing to do that. And we need more people like him to say, okay, I'll do it. I mean, we have so many problems in the world. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go into politics and speak up and, and use my voice and, and convince people that it can be differently. And to have all these great guys saying, no, thank you, no politics, that's a problem. <laughs> so this is something else that I think you're, you seem to be very passionate about is you want, I guess, young people in particular to take politics more seriously, to get yeah. involved. Um, as you said offline, because if, if the right people don't get involved, then the wrong people will. Yeah. And I was sharing with you, I think this goes back to Plato. I could be wrong about this, but I had a, a series with a guy on the show about it, and I'm pretty sure Plato said something of a similar theme when he talked about the philosopher king, that there were certain men that were fit to rule but the men that were fit to rule typically didn't want to rule. It was like almost a thing, almost a defining characteristic of what made them fit to rule is that they did not want to. And it, Plato said it was a justifiable, this is where I'm not sure if I'm correct or incorrect, someone could check me. He said it was a justifiable use of force and coercion to make those men rule because yeah. they were so fit for the job that there's anyone that wants it basically isn't. It's the wrong guy. He's not fit for it because they want yeah. it. The guy that doesn't want yeah. it. Exactly. So yeah, I think there's some absolutely. deep wisdom there. Absolutely. I, I never wanted to go into politics. For 40 years, I was a normal employee, then, then I had my own company, so I never mm. wanted to go into politics. And then I started 2013 because of the Euro and the European Union and, and looking at it and say, wow, they, they're going to take over. Mm. The European Union is, is ruling everything and all the, the, the states are losing the power. The people are losing the power because this this bureaucracy monster in Brussels is, is mm. regulating everything. So when I have to do something, and then I got involved with the party, and some party member said, "Well, you have to go to the Bundestag. You have to go to the Parliament." And I laughed. I said, "No, mm. I'm not doing that." Mm. And I ended up there. And now I see how important it is to have people there who who really want to be there because they have a certain cause and not just mm. because they they want to make money and have the power. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so young people get up, get into <laughs> politics. I know it's hard business, but I know it's a, a dirty business, but yeah. you can change that. Only you can change that. Mm. That's inspiring. Are you seeing more people come into the political sphere with their head on straight for the right reasons? Are you seeing any positive developments to that end? Yes, I see that, but I, there's also a problem if they get into parliament then. I, I see that with my former colleagues of my former party, which I left a couple of years ago because of that. It's like when they get into the parliament and then they realize, wow, I get 50,000 euros a month. That's a lot of money. And I'm a member of the parliament now and people respect me and I get to use, uh, I can fly within Germany without having to pay or taking the train mm. or... That's a great thing. So let's get mm. reelected, mm. and then they don't stand up for that what they believe anymore. Because and they stand up for what gets them reelected. So we have to have is you have a different kind of, of 
politics in, in America, you have two legislations for the president. We don't have that in Germany, for example. Mm. I mean, we had Councillor Merkel for 16 years. That's something we have to change. Mm. So if you get people into politics, into parliament, make sure they are not able to stay there long enough to say, oh, well, well that's a great thing. I want to be reelected and, and mm. I'm only after the money anymore. So that's something we also have to change drastically, especially in Germany. Mm. Uh, I would assume that you are a proponent of term limits then what like what else what are the checks do you think we need in politics to prevent people for, i guess for lack of a better term becoming corrupted by political power yeah um i think money is also something we have to talk about how mm -hmm. our politicians are paid mm -hmm. um drum politicians are paid fifty thousand euros a month that's a lot of money mm -hmm. um especially for people who don't have any education <laughs> who didn't have a, a job before they entered the parliament or they didn't who didn't finish university they just mm. from nowhere are elected in, in parliament then of course if you don't have anything else the only chance you have to get money is staying into politics that's how you act to stay in, mm. in politics so we have to think about how our politicians paid maybe um i don't know if it would be fit for, for uh, the United States, but in Germany it would be look at the, the salary they got before they got into parliament and say, mm. okay, maybe you get 10% more. That's it. Mm. And if you didn't, mm. didn't have any salary before you come into the German parliament, well, bad luck. That's not the job for you. Mm. Um, that me But also means people who are earning a lot of money now because they are maybe good at their jobs, they would get the, the money when they go into, into government as well. So, uh, because we have a lot of good people running companies and say, what what should I do in, in politics? 15,000 euros a month, are you joking me? <laughs> mm. So, we have to talk about, at least talk about how we can find a solution um, which fits everybody to, to prevent um, becoming corrupt when mm. you are elected. But again, if you have a purpose, if you know why you're going into politics, what you want to change, the chance that you're giving that up is smaller than when you say let's go into politics from the beginner yes the back to plato again he said something like the true test of a man is what he does with power so it's people that come in for a purpose like based on a certain set of ideals or principles um but then when they start getting the status and prestige and money, you know, they might just want to bend to the will of their benefactors to keep themselves in office versus trying to yep. stay true to their ideals. And that's, um, yeah, incentives are very powerful in that way. So it would seem to be that if we wanted to have good governance, we'd have good incentives for governors. Boy. I like the Swiss method. I don't know if you know how the Swiss parliamentarians work. Uh, Swiss a little, parliament a little is, bit. Very decentralized, a, right? It's, and it's a, it's a part-time parliament. The politicians oh, okay. have their normal, real job. And then from time to time, they meet up and govern the country. Oh, and I think great. that's also an idea you're thinking about. I mean, Switzerland is a small country. Yeah. But is it really necessary to have full-time politicians? Or... I don't know. I, huh. When I look at the, the work we're doing, when you are in a party, 60 to 70% of your workload of your job is like um, acting within the party, mm. not making politics. So mm. maybe we can uh, 
yeah, maybe look at Switzerland. Maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's interesting to think about because then presumably the whole temptation to become a career politician would sort of go away because you'd have a career independent of your political activities. Yeah. Um, and that also would mean politicians are doing something productive, at least in part, right? They're, they're participating yeah. in the market economy, and that's that would be and, pleasing to libertarians, I think. Absolutely, and they yeah. know what they're talking about. I mean, we just had the one party member of the Greens in, in our talk show yesterday who said, you know, um, what pension uh, the, the norm drum uh, the norm drum people people get, mm -hmm. and she had no idea. Our chancellor has no idea what what Caroline uh, what, what um, fuel costs. Mm. Um, they have no idea about the normal life of people, and they mm. are governing us. So if they would have a job, right. that's something they they would know how it is to go shopping, to to go to yes. hang up your your car, etc. Yeah, more skin in the game for politicians. That's always yeah. Yeah, I think the more skin in the game, the better in any system. So that. That's interesting. I had not heard about that, but um, something we could, I think, definitely work. Um, okay, speaking of politics, maybe we could finish on this. You've talked about, obviously, the political tensions in the European Union, Union uh, how the left wing is basically destroying the European economy. Uh, I guess largely through the the excessive regulation of the energy sector. Um, we, we talked about the the nuclear power plants in Germany that were being shut down, taken offline in favor of renewables. Um, what? I guess I'll just kind of ask a broad question: What's going on in your view with politics in the EU? why is the left wing or what is the left wing doing that is being so subversive to the economy of the European European Union in general? I, I have no idea why they're doing the things they're doing. I mean, it's especially bad in Germany. It's not as bad in, in some other countries like France, for example, they didn't get rid of nuclear power. Mm -hmm. But in the leftist in Germany is like, we are going to save the planet and we are going to stop the climate crisis single-handedly. And if it means we are destroying all our economy, if we mean we are making all the people in Germany poor, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We have to stop the climate crisis. Mm. And that's all they're concentrating on. And we have the German industry leaving the country. A lot of, of companies shutting down, a lot of small companies, because we cannot afford to pay the energy prices anymore. Yeah. Big companies in Germany said, you know, we were patriotic during a couple of years now, but we can't afford to produce in Germany anymore. We're going to the US, we, we're going to other countries. And, and so we are, uh, we are, don't have uh, the, we're missing the employees, we are missing yeah. the money, we're missing the everything. Mm. They just were, we were out of Germany, and a lot of well-educated Germans do that as well. A good friend of mine now moved to Panama. Another one moved to Thailand. People are looking how to can we get into you in the U.S. Because we were they are they are destroying Germany, and mm. Germany was known for for its industry. Made in mm. Germany was, mm. was something. Everybody knew what made in Germany was now, and mm. everything what 
once was a Germany and a great country, they are destroying. They are literally destroying it. And we have the energy crisis and we have the migration crisis in Germany. Um, we have millions of, of migrants um, asking for asylum in Germany and they are, they are all getting it. We don't have any room for them anymore. We don't know where we get money from. Mm -hmm. And they, they don't care. We have open borders. We have a social system, which when you come to Germany and say, I want to stay here, you get all the benefits from our social system from day one. Mm -hmm. Of course, people are coming. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of crisis now in, in Germany and in the European Union. And the leftists are making it worse and worse because they are not willing to listen to the to people who, who, who know how, how to stop it and, and to know how to do it better. And all the world is investing in nuclear power now. Yeah. And and to, to say, okay, we're out of here and we want to get rid of coal as well, but we are importing now gas from the United States. It's like, what are you doing? Victor? Well, yeah, I was just going to bring up that point that China, I think, is bringing on more nuclear power facilities faster yeah. than any other country in the world. What is the, so is the, because it, I mean, nuclear is not even bad for the environment, according to, you know, environmentalists. So, what is it? Why that? Why shut? Why are they shutting down nuclear power? Right, what's the the narrative behind that? Uh, because if it blows up, like Fukushima or or Chernobyl, we are all going to die. <laughs> That's mm. the narrative. Uh -huh. um, they're they're telling us for for decades now, and the, the Green Party was fighting against the. Uh, nuclear power since the 80s and now mm -hmm. they are in power and the first thing said okay let's get rid of them and not only get rid of the nuclear power we have now but also in um all the people uh who are um now i don't get the word in english it's okay. <laughs> um, the engineers the engineers yeah. who are working for and thinking about the new ways of of nuclear power how we can mm -hmm. use that um because the, the nuclear power from the 80s are not what we're talking about now. Right. China is, has the thorium uh, um, nuclear power plant, et cetera. So they, it's more modern and they don't mm -hmm. even realize that. So, yeah. And I mean, this is when you aren't bringing enough energy to bear, this hamstrings the economy completely, right? Because it, energy is the primary industrial input to every industrial yeah. process. What I mean, is it not? So on one hand, they're saying we need more renewables to save the environment. On the other hand, nuclear is environmentally friendly, but it's dangerous for humans, it sounds like. So then you're stuck somewhere in the middle of let's just use all wind and solar, which is exactly. intermittent, unreliable, you know, can't store it. It's not energy dense, et cetera, et cetera. It has all these problems. It's a great, it's a great supplemental energy source, but not a good primary energy source. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, especially in Germany, we don't have much, much sun in Germany. Right. And and we had it um, this week in a county in Germany and during the morning, the government says, please don't use too much energy anymore because we don't have stable networks anymore. Right. And if you use too much energy, um, this is going to crash. So please don't use your dishwasher, don't don't uh, use your car, don't power it up. I mean, in a in a country like Germany, telling people don't use the electricity. What's going on? It's yeah. crazy. And yeah. in a country which is known for its industry, its automobile industry, the the chemistry industry, that's what they've done to our country. The left is it's totally crazy. Is this is this a socialist 
idea that's been implanted somewhere along the way that's like starting to germinate because I, it seems like it's a basic ignorance of economics. Like, yeah, you need to bring on more energy. You need to bring more energy online more cheaply per unit if you want your economy to flourish. Yeah, if you're doing the opposite of that, you're you're diseconomizing your country. Like, so what? I don't. Is there some intentionality behind this? Is this just you know the just <laughs> yeah. a self deception? Like, what's going on? Why? why yeah, where's so, this narrative coming from? As some people asking me, is there a big plan behind this? Is, is there yeah. a plan to destroy Germany? Should just right. destroy this country because of what we've done in the past? That, that's always the topic in Germany. Right. Um, and and some parts of the Green Member always said we have to get rid of this country. And I ne never was proud to be a German, and, and, and that's what they said. So, um, and I'm not sure that there is a plan. I'm pretty sure that a lot of dumb people in the German parliament who have no idea what they're doing and just follow their ideologically and, and seeing the results of it and still ignoring the results. That's just plain dumb. I, 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 I don't know what that, what the benefit is for them destroying, destroying this country. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, that's interesting to think about because, yeah, I don't know. Again, Germany, like kind of a shining star of industriousness and organizational efficiency and all of these things. And now to yeah. be just shooting itself in the foot, I, I can't understand why that would yeah. be. <laughs> and it's all over the place. It's not just the, the industry. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, well, Punctuality was, was something what's typical German. Nothing mm, <laughs> is mm -hmm. punctual anymore in, in Germany. Mm. The trains, the planes, nothing. Mm. The, the streets, the everything. I mean, and the, having digitalization, it's mm -hmm. it's totally crazy. You have to stand in line at three o'clock in the morning um, to to have your your car registered with the, with the state. You can't do that online. I mean, you can found a company in the States within, I think, two hours online. In, in Germany, it takes five year or more. And it's getting wow. worse instead of better. Wow. So um, we have a lot of problems to solve. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we need more more good people in, in, uh, in the office and more free-thinking people. And I think the opposite. Get, giving the people the freedom, giving the industries the freedom, giving the entrepreneurs the freedom they need to, to bring back Germany. That's what we need in German politics right now. And that's what we need all over the place. Um, and that's what we have to fight for and, and advocate for how important the freedom is, uh, what we lost, because that's something a lot of people don't think anymore about. It's like, that's the key part of it. Yes. To be free from all the regulations, to be free from bureaucracy, to be free from the government. And that's what we have to tell the people, that that's the solution. Just let the people do, let the people live. <laughs> Amen to that. And I think that is a, a great place to put a button on it. Um, Joanna, thank you for doing this. A very enjoyable conversation. Um, good luck. Sounds like you got a lot of work to yep. do over there. <laughs> Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me on Twitter and join our Kotar. Um, they can find me at um, the Bitcoin initiative in the Bundestag. It's uh, Bitcoin minus I am minus Bundestag.com. So, um, but yeah, join our Kotar. I'm all over the social media networks. Okay. We will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you again for doing this.
Thank you for having me.